You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School Class, led by Pastor Greg Voorhees at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on Sunday, May 21st, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social at svbcfamily. We were. Make sure I'm in the right chapter this week. Three. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where we left off. I think we left off with the question of the characteristics of a good parent. So let's start out 60. We'll pray and then we'll, we'll start there on page 60 after I get a cup, drink of swig of coffee. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I just, just ask your blessing on this lesson, Father. As we continue to study the fact that, that we are cherished by you. And God, we want to reciprocate that, and we want to cherish you as well, God. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit makes us more and more like your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Actually, it looks like I might need my button. No, but it's, it's, it's there. I know we talked about uh, negative parents. Did we actually get to question three? Not having a very good parent can negatively affect the way... Page 60. 60. Yes, we did. Okay. Because we, we talked about the different things in Jeremiah 31, 9 through 11. So question four. It says, God pursued Israel in spite of their wanton rebellion. Compare what they deserved to receive from God to what they actually received from God time and again, I actually asked this question, but we didn't we didn't talk about it much. What what would it be talking about? You know what what did Israel probably deserve? Do you think uh, they deserve punishment? Yeah, I mean, probably the stuff that they did. Um, probably we know that the Lord disciplines, but probably the stuff that they did probably almost would have deserved uh, punishment. Uh, I, I mean, because so what's so what do we talk about? What what's the kind of stuff that they did? You, you, you know the um, do we we see them often through the Old Testament worshiping idols? You know that's that's in the Big Ten. You know, that's, he, he didn't want us worshiping idols. The, 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 we see them turning to other nations. Um, I'll tell you, it's something I never understood. What was this, this thing that, where they wanted a king? You, you know, before, you, you know, God was basically, he, he was, it was, it was a, a pure theocracy. You know, what does that mean? 
you, you know, God spoke directly to the prophet, and the prophet, you know, guided the people. To me, that's that's like the. Uh, I wish I had that. I, I wish I had. I wish I had some person that I could say, you know, hey God, you know, what should I do? And and, and God speaks to them as clearly as He did to Samuel. Because remember Samuel, even when he's little, Samuel. You know, yes, Lord. You know, he thought it was his master. I mean, he heard God's voice that clearly. The, the I wish I had that person. You, you know, where I could say, "Hey, you know, what, what should we do, God?" And, and, and then God speaks to them, and that's like the perfect situation. You know, a theocracy. But but the, the but the people of Israel are like, well, we want a king. Well, why would you want a human king when you're being led by a divine one? I mean, I just, that alone, I would have received, I don't know how God looked at it. I would have taken that as kind of a smack in the face. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. You know, the stuff, the stuff that, 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 that we talk about, that the things that the people of Israel did, we're, we're doing it now. You know, our idols look a little different, you know, but they're, they're still idols. You know, they... They had a, the people of Israel also had a tendency of, um, as long as things were looking pretty good for them, they would slip into patterns of behavior that you know things that God told them not to do. You know, God's law. You know, if you get into Leviticus, you know, the law was might have been a little bit on the complicated side if if you were a priest, you know, because there was a lot of rules that things you had to do. But, but but pretty much the law when it came to you know how to live your life, I'm, I mean, it could have been some. He did sum it up in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you know, of course, Jesus did one better than that. He he narrowed it down to two. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He he narrowed it down to two. You know, but but we could see clearly that that the people of Israel, you know, probably deserved judgment. Just like we probably deserve judgment, you know. When I look at us as a country, you know, I think it was Billy Graham that, that said that if 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 you know if God continues to let God continues to let the things that go on to America, then He would owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. You know, it's it, it, it's a I can't swear it was Billy. I know that that was said. I think it may have been Billy Graham. Don't 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 hold me to that. But it sounds like something he'd say. He was a smart dude. You know. The, so the stuff that we do as a country. You know. And I love I love my country. I'm not dogging on America. That's not. But we do. We we have patterns of behavior that are very unholy. You, you know the stuff that, that that we are now trying to celebrate as being. Is, is, is being um, good. It's, it's stuff that God says is bad. You, you know, that's not... We, you know, the Bible talks about that happening in the end of time. You know, things, you know, we taught things that are good or they're bad and bad that are good. But, you know, so it's, we see this happening. You know, so we as a country, the United States of America is doing the same stuff that the people of Israel did. Uh, like I said, the context is slightly different. You know, instead of idols made of wood or stone, and, uh, 
And we're going to talk about that because we're, we're starting the book of Romans, you know, today. So we're, we, we, we'll be talking about this during, during church. But instead of having idols of, of stone and wood and all these different things, we, we have idols of cars and houses. And, and, and it's, it's the same thing. We worship our stuff. You know, we really do. You know, when I look at, when I look at some of the cars people have, you know, I, th- I think Sue's car now is the, probably the most I've ever paid for a car, and it was only twenty-two thousand. And I, I think that was a for me that was like, oh my goodness, it's twenty-two thousand. I see people dumping fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars into a vehicle and not not think twice about it. <laughs> you, you, you know, I can't even wrap my head around that. You, you know, and and it's it's if God's blessed you in that way, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have a nice car. I'm not saying that it's, I'm just, but if you watch some of the people who are dumping fifty, sixty, and seventy thousand dollars into a car, if the car gets a ding, it's like the world's coming to an end. You, you know, so I'm not, so the last thing I want to do is leave anybody with the impression I'm saying it's wrong to have nice things. That's not what I'm saying. But when the things occupy so much of your time and, and your thought processes, and when if something happens to them, the, you know, the, your world just kind of shifts from, from one place to another, you've made that thing an idol. You know, we do that. We, we, we do. We, we do do that. You know, I guess for me, even though my, my truck is only a, it's a 2001, you know, Sue likes to call it the money pit, because it's like I, I, I'm... I'm willing to do whatever it takes to resuscitate my baby, you know. So I'm, 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 I'm just as guilty as anybody else, you know. It might she might be an old she might be an old piece of scrap metal, but I mean she's I love her, <laughs> you know. So, so have I made my my little old 2001 Chevy Silverado a night? I may have, you know, just to be just to be perfectly honest, you know. So the people of Israel absolutely did deserve. At, at least judgment. And at times they received it, not so much, it was, it was more of a discipline, again, and I know I talk about this a lot, but there's a huge difference between discipline and punishment. You know, we're really good in America, if you look at our penal system, we're really good at punishment. In our system, I don't have a better answer. You know, so it's, I'm not sitting up here pointing my finger at, at our jail system because I don't have a better answer. You, you know, but it's just like, but it is true punishment. You, you do something wrong, you, 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 you go to jail for you know, years. You know, and, and I've worked very hard in my life to put people in jail for a lot of years. So again, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not even knocking on that. I, I'm just saying that, but, but with God, the, when he allows things to happen in our lives, and he's, he did this with Israel and he does it with us, it's because he's trying to curb a behavior. That's, that's the huge difference, punishment versus discipline. discipline. Discipline helps steer you down a correct path. And, and the exile for me is, is, was huge. It's, for me, the exile in Israel is the ultimate example of, of discipline. You know, God had had enough. I mean, through the entire Old Testament up until the, the the up until the exile, they kept going back to idols. They kept going back to idols. They kept all this stuff. I'll tell you what: you won't find since the exile, you won't find an idol in any Jewish home. 
I, I, I mean, it was a discipline that worked. I, I mean, some of the some of the biggest clashes in in in, in the first century between uh, the Jewish people and Rome have been over things like like putting people's faces on money or putting people's names or faces on shields and hanging them in places because it's like that's a graven image you know no 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 so God, what God did worked you know by allowing that to happen you know he 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 was able to curb a behavior i don't know what's in store for us as a country i know we're not going to keep going the way we are uh, i mean we are given the the word, and that if we turn, if we call upon His name, you know, He'll heal our land. You know, but, but I don't see us as a country. I don't see us as a country turning from our ways and praying to Him to heal our land. We, we're we're like this train wreck heading right to a derailment. You know, so it's so I'm concerned. You know, I'm concerned, and so. So we too have received grace from God when we've deserved punishment, just like Israel did. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Same, same stuff. We're doing the same stuff that they've always done. Like I said, just, just, just the forms, the, the forms or, or the, the particulars of, of our idol worship is just different than theirs. You know. What? Figure many been, will then be looking for a leader as well, so they'll believe the Antichrist is. So it's all one vicious circle. It's all under one title. It is. The of course the Antichrist will be the grand finale. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean that's that, that's when. when that's going to be where that circle almost starts to get to broken because judgment is pending. And then when Jesus does appear as a king, you're still going to believe. You know, and, and I'm just going to jump off track for half a second, like I'm famous for doing, and, and, and jump back in for a second. I'll tell you the people I feel the most sorry for in the Bible is actually the world nearing the end of the millennium. What is the millennium? You know, Jesus comes back, you know, he, he has Michael, uh, the angel, archangel, collect Satan and all of his, his minions and put them in the abyss, lock them up, and for a thousand years there will be peace. So, but then after that thousand years, he has Michael go and let him release them again for, for a short period of time. We don't know what that is. You, you know, Satan has one last hurrah. So the people I feel most sorry for is imagine living in the millennium. You're at year 999. You've never known war. You've never known a world that had Satan in it. You've only known peace in a place ruled by Jesus himself. You know, then all of a sudden, poof, you know, old Snaggletooth gets released again. Those are the people I felt true. At least we have the benefit of saying we have always lived in, in, in the kingdom of Satan. So the stuff that we see in here, it, it's not really a surprise. You, you know, we get shocked every once in a while. But um, I mean, we just almost expect bad things because, you know, we live in a world where, where Satan is the prince or the ruler in the air. These folks won't have that. They're going to, they're going to, 
The, the, year, the people that live in the year 999 will only know a world that was ruled by Jesus. You want to talk about a rude awakening. You, you know, and then not only, will they, not only will they experience what we experience now, after having this, this blissful lifetime, you know, they're going to have it probably even worse because, again, Satan will get that this, this is definitely my last hurrah. Even if I ever once thought that I was going to beat God, Everything that's in the Bible, it's happened exactly the way. So even Satan, if, if he doesn't understand it by now, and I'm sure he does, but even if he didn't, after the, 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 the millennial reign, he would have to know, you know, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, there's, there's, I wouldn't want to be here. And I feel sorry for the people that have never known, never known a, a world ruled by Satan and then all of a sudden, you know, Snaggletooth unleashes everything he has for a period of time. I feel sorry for these folks. I would dare say it would make tribulation maybe look, it look like a picnic. You, you know, you know the Bible doesn't say that. So I mean, it's you know I can't say that definitively and say that. But 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 again, tribulation. We know bad things. Three fourths of the world's population dying in a short period of time. But I, I think that would be almost like a picnic compared to with that, those poor folks after the millennial reign. You, you know, and Satan realizes this is it. <laughs> you, you know, I can't even I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Well, the people during the millennial reign, if you look at particularly the hundred forty-four thousand. The through tribulation, God God protects uh, twelve thousand Jews from each of the twelve tribes of Judah. So we know at least there'll be one hundred forty four thousand Jewish people, and whatever's left from you know who survived through tribulation. You know those are you know these folks we know will be living here. Well, those are the people I'm. Those are the people I feel sorry for. The children that are born during the millennial reign, because they will they will have never known a a world ruled by Satan, and all of a sudden they're going to be smacked square in the face. Yeah, and that's that's what it's going to be. So grace, grace versus judgment. The. the uh, the people of Israel and the people of the United States have very much deserved, very much deserved punishment, at least discipline. But but God's, our old songs, God shed His grace on thee. I, I mean, He 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 still does. Uh, I, I mean, if we as a country got what we deserved, it would look a lot different. You, you know, we we. We we worry about this. We worry about the stock market crashing and paying high cr- gas prices. I mean, even that's even when that stuff happens, it's it, it's not a not even a blink compared to what you know we what we as a country deserve. That's it's hard for us to understand God's love for that reason because we have lived in in, in a era, a very long era of of, of grace, you, you know, and it, it's just. God's been very good to us, and we're just so dumb that we we don't see it. 
I mean, there's people like us, but we don't represent the whole. We represent a small group that, that get how much grace God sheds on us and how much He protects us from that He doesn't have to. Mm, welcomed. So Matthew 19, 13 through 14 says, Then children were brought to Jesus that, they may lay, that He may lay His hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such such belongs, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Let's see if here, here's a little pop quiz. I've talked about this. Without looking at without looking at the little bottom where it says Matthew, how do you know? How do you know that this passage really came from, from Matthew? Because it says the kingdom of heaven. Matthew never, because and it's one of the reasons why I say Matthew's the most Jewish of the, of the Gospels. All the other writers will say the kingdom of God, but and again, um, they were very the Jewish people. Even Jewish scholars of the day won't spell out the word God. You know, it'd be G underscore D. So, so Matthew won't say the kingdom of God because he's worried about basically flippantly using the name of God. So, so Matthew always says the kingdom of heaven. You won't see the kingdom of God anywhere in the book of, of Matthew. But I don't recall ever seeing the kingdom of heaven in any of the other gospels. <laughs> you know, so that's a, that's a Matthew thing. Since the last part we've been would have been a head scratcher for those listening because parents in the ancient world didn't didn't appreciate childhood the same way we do. It's not that parents had loveless uh, utilitarian attitudes toward their children. Utilitarian, you know, you know what is that? You know, you know basically, the, they, they didn't look at their kids as basically tools, you know, workers. You, you know, it's, so they're saying, he's saying that, you know, they, it's not that they didn't love them or just looked at them for their, what they could do for them, on the contrary, children were thought thought of as a blessing to their parents. And then it shows some different scriptures from Deuteronomy, Psalms, a couple of them in Psalms, Matthew and John. But in first century AD, a person's contribution heavily weighed their value. The young children couldn't contribute much, while modern Western culture has extended childhood into the early twenties. Have mercy. Children in ancient times were expected to start working as soon as physically possible. Childhood was simply not a cherished time of life and definitely ended at puberty, which, which may be the reason the Gospels say nothing about the childhood experiences of the four main characters. Ever four main characters. The, so childhood was very, very different. You, you know, and they make a good point. Childhood at the end of the 20s. Do you realize in, in the state of Virginia, um, if your kid is even 20 years old and you don't know where they are, you could still technically report them as a missing child. <laughs> I mean, literally. Uh, I mean, if you, because if you, if, of course you've never seen, well, you've seen them. The, the, uh, the, the missing child clearinghouse forms that go to the state police, you know, you have a check for if they're a juvenile and basically you have a check for if they're not a juvenile but under 21. The, the um, I think the children then, uh, they would kind of scratch their head when they looked at their kids now. You, you, you know, and it's not just at, at, at our school, you know, where Bruce and I works. 
I mean, there's a sensory room. You get overstimulated, you can walk out, go to the sensory room, and you can play with things and scream if you want, whatever you want to do. Whatever just makes you, helps you release. You, you know, I can't, could you imagine that flying in the ancient world? <laughs> you, you know, when you were old enough to push a plow, you were pushing the plow, you know, there, there was no sensory overload room or, or, or even, even, you know, even now, even in their military. I mean, they're not allowed to do the things that they, unless you're, unless you're in an act, unless you're in a time of war, they're allowed to do different things in training when you're, when, when you're, when the U.S. is actually in a time of war. But I mean, they can't even, they can't even put their hands on you anymore. Or, or, or the, uh, isn't it, isn't it the Air Force has the timeout card? If you're getting yelled at, you can, you basically, you can, it's one of the branches. You, you can basically, if you show them the card, you, they flip the card, they have to stop yelling at you. <laughs> The stress card. Is that what, you know, that, that's, you know, could you imagine something like that floating in, you, you know, the, the, the ancient world, you know, but I, I don't even understand why it happens now. But and yet, and yet we can surmise based on what we do know that Mary Magdalene, I'm back on page 61, Mary Magdalene was from the town of Magdala. That's why we call her Magdalene. Mag- Magdalene isn't her last name. Uh, it would have been actually more appropriate to call her Mary of Magdala. You know, but, but many people, what it looks like in the Bible, just called her the Magdalene. So we just kind of almost, we almost kind of just attached it to her like a last name. She was from, from the town of Magdala, a place known for being so morally bankrupt that Rome ultimately destroyed the city uh, for its corruption. Whether or not Mary experienced a godly Jewish upbringing, through life's tragedies and demonic influence, she slipped into a life of debauchery. Mary likely didn't feel precious to anyone, and, and wickedness and evil had a stronghold on her life, had a stranglehold on her life. You know, so Mary, you, you know, we, we don't know anything about Mary's childhood. But, but like, like they were saying, we do know that, that where she was from was kind of, it was the, the other side of the tracks, the wrong side of the tracks. So much so that Rome felt the need to squish it because it was just like you know, they, Rome decided they didn't deserve to exist anymore. <laughs> you know, they were just so corrupt. So Rome decided to squish them. So that's that's kind of the environment. That's kind of the environment that she grew up in and what she came out of. You, you know, what what caused her to have, you, you know, to become possessed by seven demons? We don't know. You know, could it have been her upbringing and decisions she made? Could she have been brutalized by the Romans like, like many of, 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 of theorists? We don't know. The only thing we know for sure is, is that she was demon-possessed before Jesus. Nicodemus, though, a teacher among the Pharisees, probably had a solid Jewish upbringing. Perhaps he was like another famous Pharisee in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, which we're really starting, we're getting ready to really dive into during services who remarked, my manner of life from my youth, uh, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. Acts 26, 4 through 5. What is he talking about? There were, in first, first century Judaism, there were two main parties within the Pharisees. Both of them were pretty strict. Um, I think I can't remember the names of the of, of the rabbis who were kind of the heads. 
but the one was like to the letter of the law guy. I mean, he was, he, he was, I, I mean, he was a very strict Pharisee. And it, we do know, you know, from the scripture that, that this is who, um, who Paul was part of this group, that he was. So, so Paul was, or, or I should say Saul, because he wasn't Paul yet. Saul grew up um, in, a, in a place that we know that he was Roman and he knows that we know that he was Jewish. Why? Because the, apparently his dad was a tent maker and in Rome, if you did a lot of work for the military, they gave you citizenship. So, so Paul was kind of born into the citizenship. So he was Jewish and Roman. But, but, the, uh, um, but he, Paul was, was from a very strict order of Pharisees. You know, so to understand that about him is to understand why he wanted to kill Christians. He was so strict in his adherence to the law that he viewed uh, Christians as, as being heretics who were kind of trampling all over the, the things of God. So he had no problem with collecting you up and having you fed the lions because he was, he was that strict. I mean, he knew the law that well, and, and he was, he, he was, Paul, and this is why, if you think, this is why God put Paul in this position where, where he was wrangling with, with, with the scholars of the day over, you know, the existence of God. And, and you know what, he, it was, that's why he ended up appearing before Caesar himself. You, you, you know, God put him in very different, very, Places where I would not have survived, but Paul was way smarter than me. <laughs> you, you know, so he was very strict. He was very zealous, the, the uh, and he was from the strictest of the orders. Uh, continuing on here says, uh, sounds like a real hoot. In any event, it's like Nicodemus felt uh, pride over his heritage, accomplishments, and stature rather than feeling cherished by God for who he was. <laughs> By saying that, I, I will have to admit um, there was a lot of speculation in, 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 that, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's not true, but people in Nicodemus' position, Jesus referred to him as the teacher of Israel. You know, John chapter three. You, you know, when when they, they met, you know, in the dark, you know, the after dark, and it was very, you know, Jesus himself referred to him as the teacher of Israel. Which would have made him the teacher of Pharisees, which would have put him in a very, a very, um, a very important place. The so I would have imagined that, that somebody who had worked that hard to be in that place and who was that smart, he, he you know he he would have probably taken great pride in his accomplishments and he he would have paid. I would imagine that that that, that there would have been a, a certain. Uh, I don't even want to say arrogance because I can't even extrapolate that out of this. But but I imagine he had a, he would have had to have had a, kind of a big head. I would imagine, you know, because it just seems to me. And again, this might be unfair to Nicodemus. You, you know, I'm not. But it seems to me that when 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 people have, have gone through the world of scholarship and they've gotten the high places in the academy, it's just. It, 90% of them, they just have a very different attitude. You know, it's, it's just so, so Nicodemus may have been kind of like this. Matthew, though, who also benefited from a childhood with godly training and education, his historic Jewish name, Levi, indicates as much. 
But that didn't stop him from choosing to serve Rome. Like other Jews who, who willingly worked for the enemy, Matthew got rich by betraying his fellow citizens. His family wouldn't have, wouldn't have been damaged by his open display of disloyalty. Would have been damaged, absolutely. Tax collectors, and you really can't miss this, Matthew was a traitor. There, there's no, you know, so when you look at Matthew and the stories of the Gospels, you know, and the Chosen does a really good job of doing this. They show the tension of basically how the other apostles almost couldn't stand him, you know, because he would have been a traitor. This, this would have been kind of like, you know, what's, what's, what's probably our most famous traitor? Let's think of a, oh shoot, um, ben Arnold, Benedict Arnold, Washington's good friend. How many years has that been? What, 200 and, you know, 230, 240 years at least? When you hear Benedict Arnold to, today, what do you think? That traitor. That piece of dog crap. You know that 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 piece of gum on the bottom of my shoe. You know, over over two centuries later, we still say his name with disdain. You know, and, and it's just like so that would have been Matthew in, in, in this in this narrative. You know, and um, he was literally a traitor to his people. For, for the only thing reason I could even think why he would do that would be the money. You know, there was no other benefit to betray your people other than you know an easy life and, and money. You know, so it's in his family. I, I imagine he would have been dead to them. You know, I, I can imagine. I, I can only imagine if one of my kids. If, if one of my kids, and I can't even picture this because we're not oppressed by another nation. Let's, let's, let's just say, let's just say uh, Russia invaded and took us captive, and now that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm answering to Vladimir Putin, and one of my kids did something to help Vladimir Putin, how would I feel toward them? You, you, you know. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine, you know, even, even to put that in the context, because our life is so far disconnected from that. But, but if I looked around and saw Russians beating up my, my friends and killing my friends and, and, and torturing my people, and I thought, my kid is helping this? <laughs> you, you know, it, it, would, it would be a bitter pill to swallow. It would be, it, it would be tough. But, pursuing, but the pursuit of wealth... Matthew willingly gave up his sense of being cherished uh, for who he, who he was. Contrary to the meaning of his name, gift of God, Matthew chose instead to be paid for what he could do. He would have been hated. I, I mean, I've, I've never, never seen any type of uh, Christian movie or show that I see them get angry at tax collectors. And we, we see in the Bible, even the tax collectors, you, you know, but I can't even imagine the Benedict Arnold taste that would put in, in, in all of their mouths every time they even saw his face. You know, like I said, we're angry about it two centuries later. You know, they, they were walking with this dude. 
thank God, thank God that redeems us when nobody else would want us to be redeemed. Do you think any of the other apostles wanted Matthew to be saved? I would probably guess no. I, I would imagine that oh, the, the, the other 11 probably would have would just as soon seen Jesus judge him and, and, and send him out, send him packing. He, you know, that would be my guess. Simon, who's Simon? Peter. He was a man of meager uh, learning. See Acts 4.13. It says meager learning, but get this about first century Judaism too. You know, one of the times I see on social media, I saw some guys, well, the apostles couldn't have written these books because they were all illiterate. Illiteracy wasn't even a thing back then. Everybody got an education. You, you know, not everybody got a college education. Those were your Pharisees. But basically, all Jewish males went to school. And when they got to a certain point, you know, the the best and the brightest, they and they would go on to higher learning. Then they they would you know, serve the Lord through through capacities like being Pharisees. But make no mistake, none of the apostles were are, were illiterate. That was not the culture. They went to school. Uh, I mean that 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 was, you know, Matthew. I mean, or Peter though could not have competed with a Nicodemus. Because even though they were both educated, Nicodemus had he'd been he, he would have had his PhD in being a Pharisee, he, he, you know. So, yeah, his 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 education would have been meager compared to to a Nicodemus. But I don't want anybody to think that Peter was a dummy, <laughs> he, you know, because everybody went to school. But staying faithful to the God of his fathers was instilled in him from his youth. Nicodemus' pride in being religiously accomplished was not available to Simon, nor was Matthew's financial self-sufficiency. Such things were beyond Simon Peter's reach. But from what we do know from the, the, the fisherman-turned-follower, he was kind of a guy who, who suffered from both pride and self-sufficiency and perhaps would have been entirely uncomfortable with the sentimental notion of being cherished. He was a fisherman. The, the of course I know Bruce has. Have you ever been around some some people who fished for a living? The, the, they're they're kind of a they're kind of a rough bunch. It's a different breed. You have to be. They're also fishy. The the, the uh, and I love Deadliest Catch. It's one of my favorite shows. But you know they're going after the crabs and stuff. You know, but I'll tell you what. Being out on that deck, that, that water just just coming over the bow and just just almost wiping you away and freezing cold and having to bang ice off of your ship so it doesn't sink, you got to be a tough guy. It, it, it's it's not a it's it's not the business for the faint of heart, you know. So even though Simon wouldn't have been beating ice off of his boat, you know, in the Sea of Galilee, the it was still fishermen that were were kind of tough guys. You know they're they're hard workers. You know they're laborers. You know so so yeah he he wouldn't have been coming from the the same perspective as the rich Matthew or the highly educated Nicodemus. But now Abigail and Joshua these are the kids in our in our video we watched. They were the little kids that were kind of sneaking up on Jesus on the because he was he was he was there he'd set up camp and and they were coming to see Jesus. 
These are fictional characters. In fact, it says they're fictional children <laughs> created for the chosen, but they're, they're based on actual interactions as well as Jesus' words about children. To such, is the kingdom of, to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Unlike most of the adults who came in contact with Jesus, the children knew, knew they had nothing of value to offer him except their love and excitement to be there. So again, we're thinking about kids. Children in the first century, were, these are kids that were too young to even work. You know, so when, when Jesus is saying, such, such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven, you know, we're not talking like teenagers here. You know, these would have been little guys, you know, little guys that were, that, that were too young to work, to do, anything, to do anything, but Jesus still valued them. Uh, and Jesus welcomed them. He wanted to spend time with them, hug them, and heal them. He wanted to. He accepted them, but because, because of, of who they were, not because of who they were or what they could do, but because of who He is and what He does. See, that's the cool thing about Jesus. Jesus values people, not the same way others value people. He, you, you know, again, it was talking about children in the first century. They, their parents would have loved them. You, you know, it's 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 not like I said. They didn't look at them as pack mules, but but the children that we're talking about here would have been very very young. So, so their value in society, you, you know, would have been you know, wouldn't have been that important in their context. You know, so that's the only reason too I can think of when the kids were trying to come, and why would why would the you know why would the apostles try to send them away? Because they were likely thinking, well, Jesus needs to be spending his time with the important people. You know, the people that have who are contributors or the people that you know, we rank people. You know, we rank people as you know being more important and being less important, and they would have done the same thing. But even even the people that the apostles, you know, the ones who should have been getting it, you know, the ones who've been walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus, they still didn't even quite grasp it. Jesus saw value in the people that no one saw value in. He loved the people. That, that even though they may have been loved and cherished by their parents, you know, he, he, was, he, he viewed their contribution and he understood that we had something to learn from them. What, what do we have to learn from these kids, kids that age? They came to Jesus just because he was Jesus. He, you know, they, they, had to, they, they, they wanted to be with him. He, you know, that, that's, could you imagine if we had the kind of faith where... If we needed something, we knew we could just go to Jesus and he, he had the ability to do it. Or if we just wanted to go be with Jesus just because he's Jesus. He, you know, I think our lives would look, our spiritual lives and our live lives, the true innocence of childhood. You, you know, if, if we wanted to be with Jesus just because he's Jesus and just because we know he's the fixer-upper, and that he has the ability to be the fixer-upper. We didn't have to understand it. We didn't have to know it. We just knew that we could go to him and he fixes things. Could you imagine how different our life would be? Absolutely. There is a difference between childlike and childish. There, there, there very much is.
Yeah, and that's that, that's a that's a very childlike thing. Now, now the comparison, kind of that that that, that switch between childlike and childish. But but I was I was I was entertained by it. I, I thought it was so funny. The same the same grandson. The uh, um, the dog was was fighting over a bone. I think my daughter actually got nipped just because their leg was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But he says, "Granddaddy, I would rather the dog bite you than me." And I'm like, "Well, I I understand that. That doesn't hurt my feelings." He said, "Because I learned in church that to put other people first, and you should be first. I'm just worshiping Jesus. That's what he said. I'm just worshiping Jesus." By letting me get bit first, you, you know. So that's the uh, he has his own version. But the beautiful thing about it, though, is and, and it's, he is very sincere. I, I mean, I, I mean, I've I've seen him. You, you don't mess with his little sister. I mean, somebody messed with his little sister. They'll be in a headlock, or you know, he's in karate now. He probably tried to break their arm or something. I don't know. You know, so he's very. But he, he it, it wasn't it wasn't that he was being mean. He, he he was he was trying to articulate to me in, in, in a very funny way that it might be a little bit tougher. And, and actually, he even told me on if, if we fell off of a cart that, that he would jump off and save Mimi, but he wouldn't Granddaddy because Granddaddy's trained to deal with things like that, you know, falling off of a cart, <laughs> you know. But it, but 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 to hear his heart, you, you know, it just tickles me, you know, it just really really does. All right. Let me see what I got here. We're gonna have to. We will finish up this chapter next week. The um, with the children, we do have. And think about that question. You know, going into next week, what what childlike behaviors, you know, would God want us to emulate? You, you know what. What what about you know when he tells us you know to, you know to such as these that belong to the kingdom of God you know there's something there he's making a strong point you know what are those characteristics so think about that this week you know what what in what does Jesus saying by that and what needs to change in our life to make us more childlike let's go ahead and pray and we'll get ready for worship. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that just as we we're continuing to look through this study, that you cherish us even when we don't deserve to be cherished. You show us grace when we really don't deserve grace. That you see value in us even when nobody else sees value in us. Lord, I just, it's why we serve you, God. You know, we we long to have your perspective. We, we long to to view people the way you view people. We we long to view ourselves the way you see us. God, we just we just ask that that you give us the wisdom to, to see that. That you give us the wisdom to see ourselves ourselves through your eyes and to see others through your eyes. Because God, I think we would value people. A lot more than what we do. God, we pass we pass past hundreds, if not thousands, of people every day, and not even give them a second thought, God. But every single one of them, every single one of them are on your mind. You care about every single one of them. You cherish every single one of them. 
God, I just ask that you just, just give us your heart. Give us a hunger and a thirst for, for people like we've never had before. God, we pray this thing, these things in Jesus' name. Amen.